It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. All right, welcome back to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. How y'all doing? We uh, have a some little change now. Uh, Hillary has gone off uh, to make her own podcasts, and so right now you're stuck with uh, Nathan Makaborski. Say hi, Nate. Hi there. And I'm John Schwartz. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll get better at this, I promise. And uh, we have a special guest today we have from Yankees on Demand, Alex Day. How's it going, John? It's going well. Thanks for asking. It's really kind of you. Um, so, you know, we're, we're going to talk about a couple things today. We're going to talk a little bit about some sad news that we had in the Yankees family this week when uh, we lost Mel Stottlemyre. We're going to talk about much happier news, which is the upcoming Hall of Fame announcement, which I think it's pretty safe to say should prove relevant for Yankees fans. And... We're going to start things off, though, by talking about a trip that Alex and I were on this past weekend to meet a new Yankee, James Paxton. So, Alex, why don't you start us off and just, uh, you know, what did you see this weekend? Yeah, so we traveled up to Eau Claire, Wisconsin, not really knowing what we were going to expect. I mean, you know, we expected Wisconsin to be pretty barren, and it was, and we had never met Paxton, and Paxton had never met anyone from the Yankees organization. So, going into it, it was kind of funny that we were going to be James Paxson's first impressions of the Yankees organization. I mean, quite literally, we actually did present him with his Yankees uniform. No joke. <laughs> yes, yes. He, uh, he he earned his pinstripes and <laughs> held up his jersey for the first time. Um, but we did some fun things with him. Observed one of his training sessions where he lifted through, did a little flat ground work. We sat down for about a 45-minute interview with him. And then in the afternoon, I'm sure you're going to get to this further we went ice fishing with him he's an avid fisherman and we rode along with him out to little potato lake little potato little potato lake you can't make this up in the middle of i don't know where in wisconsin some unincorporated lands of wisconsin. Unincor- <laughs> like the kind of place where you don't pass another car for 10 minutes when you're on the road there was a very very real thought in my head for much of that drive that we were being kidnapped yeah and while we're driving i'm thinking to myself this looks a lot like making a murder and then i realized making a murder took place in wisconsin <laughs> so we had a great time with him caught some fish and then and then the next day he held a clinic for youth baseball players in eau claire and that was great to watch him teach a lot of these kids ranging from like six years old to 18 years old. So that was really great. You guys were the, the first impressions he got of the Yankees. <laughs> what, uh, what were your first impressions of him just as a guy? You know, I'm always curious to see, you know, was he kind of, uh, you know, timid or was he outgoing? How would you kind of describe his, James's personality? I think he was super humble. He fully embraced us coming out there and getting to know him and, he just struck me as a really normal guy. Mm. I, I think you hit it on the head there. Normal. He's crazy normal. I'm definitely not like the outspoken guy. I'm, I'm pretty quiet. I just, I do my work. You know, I like to have fun and mess around with guys too and like have good conversations. But for the most part, I'm in there getting my job done, you know, doing my work. I stay busy for the most part um, in the locker room, either in the gym or watching video or preparing for my next start, whatever it may be. 
in the training room. Um, but I enjoy hanging with the guys, and I'll probably focus on that a little bit this year too because I'm just getting to know new guys. So I want to build a relationship with my new teammates. I mean, he's super nice. Um, <laughs> he's you know he's Canadian, so it kind of goes with the territory. There's some funny paradoxes about him. Um, you know, he's almost Dellen-like in his mild-mannered nature while also, you know, you ask him what kind of pitcher he is, and it's just, I'm a power pitcher. And he's also a really confident power pitcher. If you look at the way he pitches, it's up in the zone. It's right at guys. Um, ball's in the strike zone. And yet, you know, you talk to him, and he's just incredibly humble, um, incredibly nice. He's got a tattoo the size of Canada, basically on his arm, <laughs> of a maple leaf. Um and what I thought was funny is, you know, I saw pictures of that tattoo a lot of times and I figured, man, I wonder what other tattoos he has if, you know, this is this giant tattoo that he got. And it turns out, no, that's the only tattoo. Like, this guy went to a tattoo parlor and I was like, I need some ink for the first time in my life. Give me the biggest thing you got. <laughs> um, but I, I really, I think he's going to be an interesting fit into the clubhouse. I think he's just a very nice guy and unassuming. And I think that part of that plays into one of the weird things about this offseason which has been, there's just been so much time this offseason spent wondering when the Yankees are going to get a frontline starter. And, you know, the Yankees got a frontline starter. Um, you know, he, he he's had some injury troubles, but they've been weird injuries. They haven't been, you know, elbow injuries or shoulder injuries. They've been, you know, getting hit by a comebacker or getting pneumonia or, you know, his back bothering him or something like that. And so if you look at what he's been doing when he's been on the mound, yeah, the Yankees got an exceptionally strong left-handed starter who slots in right into that, you know, one, two, or three spot in the rotation, depending on how things go. So I think that, you know, the question, you know, are the Yankees going to get a frontline starter? The answer is yes, they did. Mm-hmm. So you guys had an opportunity to, like you said, you watched him work out. You saw him do a youth clinic. Uh, you went ice fishing with him. Uh, did you get an opportunity um, to just like sit down for a formal interview at any point and um you know did he share his thoughts about just becoming a yankee and you know what were you able to kind of gauge what you know his excitement level or, or what he's thinking going into the 2019 season we kind of had two interviews with him one of them was a formal interview we did it at his gym that is actually owned by his brother-in-law in Eau Claire, and that was about For, 45 former minor leaguer stephen hensley former minor leaguer stephen hensley correct and then we had kind of a part two interview, which was we rode along with him in a car going from Eau Claire to Little Potato Lake, which was about a it was about a half an hour or so drive. And that was kind of the time for more off the wall questions, kind of questions that you wouldn't necessarily hear in a formal interview. I could tell you one part about that that was really funny was I asked him. You know, you've had a very good career. You've been very good for Seattle, but a lot of people haven't followed your journey because Seattle is a small market on the West Coast, and Yankee fans know your numbers, but not a lot about you. Last year, you pitched no hitter, mm-hmm. and you also had an eagle land on your shoulder during right. the national anthem. <laughs> Which of those gained you more notoriety? Mm-hmm. And he was just laughed and said, "By far, the eagle. Yeah. <laughs> that that is what put him on the mat. It wasn't." how he pitched last year, his no-hitter. He had a game right before the no-hitter where he threw 16 strikeouts. It was at the Eagle land on his shoulders. I knew that if I, like, swiped at or did anything like that, I might get deported. So it's just like I just kind of, like, I just wore it. <laughs> I could. He had a very good sense of humor, whether it was joking with a gas station attendant or with us, whether the cameras were on or off. We're doing the 
photo shoot with him for Yankees Mag. He starts breaking out the blue steel face. He seemed very excited about this new opportunity, and I think he's going to be a guy that really embraces the New York limelight. The expectation to win in New York is definitely a, a bigger one than there was in Seattle. Uh, just the history of it. Um, and I'm excited to be a part of that. You know, I think that uh, pressure is something that I can respond well to. I think, it'll, I think it'll push me to up my game. You know, I think some guys, it, it can shut down, but I think the experience that I've had so far is that when I get into pressure situations, I, it, it makes me better. You know, I, I'm really excited to be on a team where winning is so important. The guys take it so seriously, and, like, we're coming there to do a job. We're doing it all together. We've got the same goal. You know, we know what we want to do. It seems like the guys go in there, and they, it's about business. It's about getting the job done and uh, bringing it every day, and that's what I'm looking forward to. In the past few days since I got back, the term I've been using to describe him is just game. I, I, he was up for everything we threw at him. Um, you know, when we go on these trips, and Alex, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the stuff that you do with guys, besides for the trip that I went on with you, but you're always kind of throwing things at the wall, and, you know, you want it to be a little bit wacky and goofy, hoping that, you know, you can get something different. Um, you know, you throw out the idea of ice fishing. That's usually going to be something that, like, that's the pie in the sky, and then we'll, you know, bring it on back to, you know, maybe dinner. Um, but he was completely up for ice fishing. He was really interested in it. And then, so, you know, we got out to this lake and it was, you know, later in the day than maybe we wanted to. And it ended up working out nicely because we got sunset. Um, but I'd say the first, you know, 45 minutes on the lake, we were all laser focused on him, um, you know, shooting him and, you know, getting him time with the guides and everything like that. And, you know, once we had all the footage we needed, we kind of looked at him and we're just like, look, man, you know, you're done. Um, you can go back whenever you want. He was just like, no, I want to catch more fish. <laughs> um, and I want well, yeah. to dig more, I, I want to um, drill more holes and things like that. So, <laughs> you know, again, it just goes like we were on his time in his off season, which isn't that much longer. I mean, it's already, I can't believe it. It's mid January. So in less than a month, he's going to be in Tampa. Um, we were very ready for him to say, okay, this is funny. And you got your photos and now I'm getting out of here. And he's like, no, there's, a bunch of holes here and a bunch of fish down there and I'm going to, I'm going to catch them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just going off that, it was the first 45 minutes. It was all about him. And then one of the people on our trip, Barry, who was a photographer, she had never gone fishing before. She had never casted a line. She had never done anything before with fish. So she drops her line in and you see she, you know, fish bites. You see James, there's a picture. He starts clapping. His arms are up in the air, like cheering for her. He's that kind of guy, Absolutely. and he was there to hang out, and I think maybe in the beginning thought of us as media, but by ice fishing and Sunday morning, <laughs> uh, excuse me, Saturday morning, we were having a good time. So, Alex, around this same time last year, uh, you and I had gone to Nashville uh, to do a couple of stories down there, and yep. it was about 15 degrees or so when we were there. I hear it was a little warmer than that in Wisconsin, but like, don't you ever want to just, you know, go to maybe like Arizona or Southern California or something for one of these stories? <laughs> yeah. So we went to Arizona for the fall league. So I think that was our, that was our taste of sun for the off season. Oh, there you go. Some of my coworkers are in St. Louis right now with Luke Voigt. Mm -hmm. And I think the weather is pretty similar to Wisconsin. I know that actually after this trip, they're going down to Tampa for one day and hanging out with Didi and Glaber. They're doing an off-season workout, so I think they're going to spend like 12 hours with them 
do a workout, maybe get a smoothie with them. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> Not definite, but just hanging out. So tell, Alex, I, I introduced you as you know being part of Yankees on Demand. Why don't you give a, a little sense of what that means exactly and what you guys do over the course of the year? So Yankees on Demand does a lot of the video content, actually really all the video content that you see on Facebook, on Instagram, on social media, and also on the scoreboard as well. So there's four of us creating the video content. Of course, there's the graphics team and so many people that help out and, you know, a full department, but we do a lot of features. So it's not really the highlights, but we'll do the interviews, the commercials, the kind of fun segments. We try to humanize these guys as much as possible. And we've built pretty good relationships with a lot of guys on the team. So we'll visit guys in the off season. We'll do a lot of work with prospects. We'll visit each, um, we'll visit single A, double A, triple A, even short A. We'll be down in spring training. We'll film our commercials where I'm sure you guys have seen them like, or we'll recreate a movie scene. We'll move on to once the season starts, you know, home stands are really about a lot of filming fun stuff with guys. And then when the team's on the road, we'll, edit it and turn it around and that's really the cycle of things of course there's the fun days like jersey retirements and old timers day hopefully a hall of fame ceremony this summer knock on wood um <laughs> and then of course postseason rolls around and we're with the team in october a lot of what you do is that fun wacky stuff um and especially when you look at the scoreboard in between innings you know so much of those ridiculous things, you know, if you imagine how many probably ridiculous ideas you have to have to get the great ones that always I'm impressed by how much they work. You know, being on these trips, though, in the moments between that, I assume you have the same reaction as I do. You know, you're so worked up and trying to figure out, you know, how to hit every item on your checklist and how to, you know, get everything you need. And then for me, though, it's just while you're doing that and, you know, I have anxiety problems, so I'm always anxious in general. But you know, you stop for a minute and just watch, you know, in this case, James working with these young kids in this clinic. Um, and, you know, it, it, it was interesting to me because Stephen, who runs the gym, is saying, you know, of course he would love from a, as a businessman to get, you know, 500 people in for these clinics. Um, but it was just like so perfect to have, you know, 10 to 15 kids in each of the sessions because you can't even imagine um, how much personal time James was giving to each of these kids to the point that, at one point he asked Steven to run one segment of it long because there were a couple of kids that he hadn't gotten time to talk to individually. I love when I see stuff like that. Cause it's not what you're there for. And it's not like the item on your list that like you need to hit, but it's like you finally calm down for a minute and get out of your own head. And then you just watch like a good dude doing something that like these kids are going to remember forever. It's a, maybe it's a sappy way to end this. Uh, but uh, that's always one of my favorite things of these trips. Yeah, absolutely. He was an extremely impressive dude. And it was really for us, it was a really fun trip. Absolutely. And I've, I've done a couple of these trips, and every single time I have a great time. But I think this one especially stood out to me. And a lot of that was because of the access he gave us. And not only that, but the time that we spent with him was really enjoyable. And a lot of times you forget that you're hanging out with, you know, the big the big acquisition. He made it easy to forget that. I mean, he was just yeah. a very delayed back. And I, you know what I got still got to throw in there? Uh, the Yes Network's Blake Shear, who did most of the planning for this Absolutely. trip. Absolutely. Um, just fantastic work and making all this happen, working with Paxton and his people, basically just laying everything out for us to go do our jobs. It was a, she did an amazing job. Yeah. She, she absolutely worked her magic and, and gave us, <laughs> gave us great opportunity to, to chill with him. Most important question for you, um, coming off this trip as you look forward, yep. 
what um you know what would you say is going to be the stars born song you listen to most over this coming year man we listened to a lot of a star is born on this trip it was uh I would say, what's the one that you always sing? Maybe it's time. I oh, mean, yeah, maybe it's maybe time to let the old you know, ways die. I'm a little bit annoyed that it seems like in all these award shows, Shallows is the, you know, whatever. I can't get everything yeah, I want. You have a lot of Bradley Cooper in you. I, 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 appreciate, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, singing, looks, everything. Everything. <laughs> this, is a, this is a very good audio medium, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> good radio. So before we let Alex go, though, so, John, your, your story on James Paxton slated for the spring issue of Yankees Magazine, which also will be in the spring training program down in tampa uh alex do you have uh can you let listeners know where to where to see uh the james paxton piece that you guys will put together yeah so we're going to be turning around a feature called a day in the life with james paxton and that will be coming out on mlb.com the yankees youtube channel it'll be on social media as well that will probably be up sometime later this month maybe you know first week of february but that feature will be up there then so just Keep an eye out on MLB.com, Yankees On Demand channel, and then Yankees YouTube channel. So you can find it there. It's going to be really great. Can't wait to show you guys this really incredible footage we have, especially the ice fishing. Yeah. You guys have to see these shots of the sun glistening off the lake and Paxson's just standing there, you know, dangling the line. It's really awesome. You guys have to check it out. Can they uh, subscribe to your footage everywhere, things like that? Yeah, absolutely. On Yankees YouTube channel, you can subscribe to our channel. We'd love that. Um, and then on Facebook, we don't really have the sub- same subscription, but throw a follow, and then you'll see a lot of our content on there. And, of course, come to Yankees game so you can see it on the scoreboard. That's that's the best move right there. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Hey, this is Giancarlo Stan. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. And we are back. Taking the role of Alex Day right now will be our editor-in-chief, Al Sanasiri. Al, welcome. Thank you. How you guys doing? Good, good. A little bit of uh, sad news in Yankee land this week, for sure. Um, with the news of Mel Stottlemyre passing away. Um, just a really incredible career as a, not only a player, but of course as a coach. You know, the pitching coach during that dynasty in the late 90s. And, uh, you know, we I think we were all sad to hear it, for sure, but... Um, thankful that we got to know him a little bit over the years so um al you probably spent more time with him than than either john or i did um so what was kind of your your reaction and and memories when you heard the news this week well i agree with you wholeheartedly it was a a really sad day it's a sad i'm still obviously sad by it because i did have um the opportunity to get to know him when he was here uh, when mel was here as the pitching coach and then um did a few stories with him afterwards you know my my memories of him are a lot more to do with his personality um and the type of person he was and i know that sounds cliche but really the type of person he was and the the time that i shared with him um much more than the impact he had on the team as a pitching coach and obviously before that as a great pitcher and those things are so significant as well. You know, just a really class, classy guy, somebody who you just enjoyed spending time with. I got to know him a little bit better in 2015 when I went out to uh, Washington State to do a story with him for our magazine. There was a little trickery involved in that, right? Yeah, a little chick- <laughs> trickery, exactly. The Yankees had made a decision that he was going to be 
uh, inducted into Monument Park and have a plaque in Monument Park. And um, I went out there and did a story where I spent the day with him and his wife, Jean. And she knew that uh, the plaque dedication was forthcoming and uh, it was going to happen on Old Timers Day that year. Mel did not. So there were a lot of times while we were sitting there when I was interviewing him at lunch where she and I were kind of winking at each other uh, when I was asking kind of questions about his legacy and things that kind of led to the, the story. So we ended up publishing the story on Old Timers Day and he didn't see it or know about it until he literally got to the stadium and they announced that they were doing a plaque for him that day. I apologize for correcting you here, but it's even better than that because what happened, it was a plaque ceremony for Willie Randolph. Yeah. So they were introducing all the guys and the last guy to go was Mel and he's sitting in the dugout waiting to be introduced thinking they forgot him yes, because right. they were going through all this stuff of bringing out his plaque and everything like that because everyone, he thought it was just a Willie ceremony and then all of a sudden they announced that they're adding to the celebration and yeah i forgot some of the details but it, it really was a remarkable day it was um just just one of the more special days um in yankee stadium history old yankee stadium new yankee stadium what, what also made it so special was his speech which of course was not rehearsed because he didn't know about it <laughs> and you know for a man who had really given his whole you know decades and decades and decades his whole working life his whole life really in time at least to the game of baseball and to the a lot of it to the new york yankees to finally get recognized at a time when he had severe health problems for many many years leading up to that you know every day was kind of a blessing for me I didn't know how many more days he had left yeah, that's a i love hearing uh you know stories about guys who become yankees who grew up wanting to be Yankees and despite growing up all the way out in Washington State about as far from Yankee Stadium as you can get in the continental United States um, he said you know from the time he was a little kid like five years old you know the Yankees were the the game of the week you know probably the only game he could watch on TV and uh, he dreamed of being a Yankee and not only did he become a Yankee I mean he just had an enormous impact on this franchise from uh, you know, bursting onto the scene as a rookie. You know, I mean, I just wrote a story in the October issue about like the greatest rookie seasons in Yankees history, and of course, you couldn't write that story without mentioning Mel Stottlemyre and what he did in 1964, starting three games in the World Series, all of them against Bob Gibson and the Cardinals. Coming of age myself in the you know kind of mid to late 90s and enjoying that run so much, and he was just such an integral part of all that. You know, I think about that that late 90s. Yankees dynasty and you know one of the real great runs that the team's ever had but certainly um, you know one of the great runs any team has had more recently uh, in the last 50 years or whatever and um, you know you think about what made that team so great what separated that team those teams excuse me from other teams and really what separated those teams were, were their pitching staffs you know so it's it's really easy to kind of look back on that great dynasty and wonder uh how many they would have won and how great they would have been without him and in my opinion i'm one to say the dynasty would have been far less great without him and it may not have been much of a dynasty and i know that's a significant statement but really um he was in a in a, in a lot of ways a huge part of the foundation of what made those teams so great the irony of course is that so much of his career came during this just you know 
blah period of Yankees history, and there just aren't that many times when you can, you know, pitch for this team for a while and have as little team success as he did. So, you know, to go from, obviously, you mentioned, you know, those games against Bob Gibson, but then, you know, nothing else really of note from a team perspective. To go from that to, you know, his time as pitching coach here when it was just success on top of success on top of success, it's just a very appropriate and great, you know, way to go out in a sense and to end your Yankees career. Yeah, I, I agree. And the sense that I got from, you know, the, any pitchers that I've spoken to in, in talking about Mel, and, you know, it hasn't been uh, as much as some other, you know, beat writers and stuff that were here at that time. But, uh, you know, while he would certainly, you know, help guys from a mechanical standpoint and the things that pitching coaches often do and little tweaks here and there, he seemed to imbue this confidence in, in pitchers. And remember reading a story about how, um, you know, when Mariano kind of first took over the closers role and, and was struggling, Mel and, and Joe Torre sat him down and they, you know, said, what's going on, you know? And he's like, I, you know, I don't know. I, I feel good physically. You know, they said, well, you're our closer. You're not going anywhere. And that was just one example, but I feel like there were other stories like that where, look, I mean, major league pitchers, they have the tools to, you know, they're, they're there for a reason. They have the physical gifts, but the mental aspect of the game is so huge. Um, and I feel like that was one of his stronger suits was just giving these guys the, the, you know, showing them that the team, I believe in you, the team believes in you. And then they would take that confidence with them out on the mound. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, even in uh, the age of social media, I mean, no one's going to, you know, speak ill of the dead. Um, so, you know, you're not expecting uh, people to hear about, you know, Stoudemire's passing and immediately start ripping him apart. Um, but one, it was just very noticeable yesterday, the, or yesterday, because um, we're, we're recording this on Tuesday, just the tenor of emotion from the people who were talking about him. Mm-hmm. You know, the beat writers who, you know, are just around these guys all the time. And there was, it, it wasn't just news breaking or respect it was just actual sadness i felt from a lot of the pitchers you heard talking yesterday to just you know the writers and people who had come across him it was actual sadness it was that this was a special helpful kind guy a real important member of you know this team's family um that we lost particularly to fellow cancer survivors i felt like he was was super inspirational to Mm -hmm. to folks that had gone through similar battles i agree with you i want to actually touch on both uh, of those points, you know, when I did the story with him in in Washington uh, in 2015, he was doing a little bit better at that point. And one thing that he and his wife and he and Jean spoke about at length, um, not because they were complaining, but because I was probably prying, honestly, were the 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 what their days were like over the last 10 or 15 years, and they were tough. They were there were you know a lot of weeks where. Um, three, four, five days of those weeks were spent in a hospital for treatment. What I took away from him, just all he talked about was how beautiful it was there and how lucky he was to be able to do things like this. Never uh, anything but positive emotions and and feelings. And um, so I wanted to touch on that. And and then, John, what, what you were talking about really resonated with me because I started to think about this yesterday. There's not a lot of people that I've come into contact with. There's not a lot of people I've known and I think everyone could say this. There's just a handful of people you meet in your life generally when they're alive or they've passed that 
no one, you cannot find a person who will say something bad about them. I've never heard a single person say anything bad about Mel Stottlemyre. This is a guy whose who's life intersected with thousands of people, whether it was fans, whether it was players, coaches, owners, whatever it may be. And I would challenge anybody who knew him, anybody who covered him, anyone who played for him, anyone who coached nearby to find someone uh, or, or remember something that was said negatively about him. And I don't think that that could happen. And that in and of itself, for a man who lived 77 years and who, like I said, whose life intersected with so many people is a rare and amazing accomplishment. I think it supersedes everything, I think. And, uh, and you know, I'm just happy that I was one of the people who uh, would only say not good things, but great, great things about him. Well um, said. I think that's a great way to end it there. But uh, I think we should move on to, you know, related but happier news, obviously, because, you know, one of those guys that we've been talking about who learned so much uh, under Mel was Mariano Rivera. And I think that uh, I feel it's pretty safe to say as we sit here six days before the announcement right now that uh, – Looking, looking pretty good for Mo. Going to get elected to the Hall of Fame, um, likely with among the highest percentages ever of votes. Um, you know, you guys both covered him more closely than I did. You were both here for his last season, and I'd love to hear you guys talk about a little bit about just your memories, but also let's go back and talk about just kind of the ways that you approached that last year and what made it so special for the way you guys covered it. Mm. I'm not familiar with the player. Who, who is this again? <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> for, for the record, it's Mariano Rivera. Mariano Rivera. Former, yeah, he was former Yankees good. closer from Panama. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. He, he was pretty good. Um, you know, we started collecting some quotes last year for uh, um, some coverage, uh, our extensive coverage this year on uh, his uh, – you know, can I say potential Hall of Fame induction or whatever? And the first person I asked uh, was Joe Torre. I think it was on Old Timers Day or one of the days that he was at the stadium last year. And uh, I asked him if I could be presumptuous. And he said, um, I don't even consider this being presumptuous. <laughs> you know, just, you know in, in asking him about Mariano Rivera for uh, Hall of Fame coverage. So, you know, so, so many times there's a debate, you know, who's the greatest basketball player, you know, LeBron or Jordan, and and everybody has opinions. You know, this is one that I can't remember even hearing a debate. There's no debate. I mean, he did things that no one else did. He did them at a higher level. He did them in more crucial moments and so many crucial moments and was near perfect. So, I mean, the legacy is is just unparalleled. Um, And, you know, that last season was really special, Nate. I, I know for you as well being around him for, for both of us some time on the road with him uh, and, and a lot of special moments here. He, as humble as he is, let the Yankees celebrate um, his fine career, and it made it a heck of a fun time for us. But I should throw in there, the way he celebrated it was so Mariano in the sense that he was basically willing to play the game of you know getting celebrated and you know getting – around but his insistence essentially was that in each stop along the way in 2013 he met with you know stadium employees and front office employees and you know you guys got to sit in on a lot of those meetings and I can't even fathom how special that must have been it was really cool it was like as far as you know final laps go victory tours if you want to call it that 
it was just so unique and it was so genuine and heartfelt and you know Jason Zillow did a really awesome job of like setting these things up in every city that Mariano went to uh, you know getting him just in a room like with whether it be you know longtime employees or longtime season ticket holders of that place and it really showed how you know you might be a diehard Indians fan or Orioles fan or whatever but we all love baseball and Mariano realized, you know, I think just how lucky he was to, you know, be part of something so big and something so special. And he wanted to pay tribute to that. One of the things I, you know, worked for the Baltimore Orioles when Cal Ripken kind of went through a, a victory lap, so to speak, a celebration tour of, of his last season. Um, and I wanted to interview him and, and Mariano together and was able to do that in Camden Yards uh, or at Camden Yards. And, you know, the takeaway there was when Cal – I, I think prepared a little bit for our interview. He kind of showed up and was overwhelmed by how cool Mariano Rivera's victory lap was, mm -hmm. how much, I hate to say it, how much better it was, um, <laughs> how much more thought went into it. it. It was always very special to be around him. I mean, uh, the, frankly, he wasn't the easiest interview. He wasn't no. the easiest person to get things from. Um, but you always appreciated what you were seeing. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean the incredible success in the postseason. Um, I mean, just numbers that'll never, ever, ever be touched of the level of success he had. The Yankees have actually been very lucky in the years since he retired that the Yankees have had very good relief pitching. Mm -hmm. But just the, the reliability and then just knowledge that there was just no way it was going to go wrong when Rivera came out there. No team's had that since. He was, I guess, hard to, to get sometimes. Yeah. But I feel like some of the conversations we had were, were really incredible like if you got him at the right time and right place and I'll never forget I guess it was the winter before his final season so heading into 2013 he was here at the stadium on like a, a January night for some event small event you know I had the opportunity to like just sit down with him for a few minutes for a story I was preparing for the yearbook that year about um the final outs of all the Yankees championships and Mariano was on the mound for numbers 24 25 26 and 27 and we sat down in this conference room and I said ah, you know Mariano I'm working on this story that I feel like you know y you might you might enjoy he's like oh yeah what's that and I told him the concept and his eyes kind of lit up and he's like <laughs> so I'm like so let's go through him and he remembered the details of every at bat you know I was asking him about the final pitch of these world series and oh the final pitch was probably a cutter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty pretty safe to say I didn't ask him what he threw that was <laughs> but uh you know he remembered all the details of it and um you know I remember him saying though that like no matter what game it is what month it is what the score is it could be a 10-run game his focus was always the same he's like you go out there to kill to finish them he's like when I'm on that mound I want to get it over with as quick as I can he was ruthless he was mm -hmm. yeah and you know you hear this he's just such a he was such a gentleman and so classy and like, I have two funny stories um that you know I always stand out to me so the first one is the last time I interviewed him, or the most, I shouldn't say the last, the most recent <laughs> time I interviewed him. It was at some gala, and I had bronchitis, and I literally had no voice. And I walk up to him to try to ask the first question in a loud ballroom, like right by the stage, 
and he just looked at me like I was insane to think that like he could hear what I was saying like and I tried again and I eventually I called our photographer over Ari and just handed her my notebook and she did the interview for me as I stood there <laughs> completely funny. helpless um the other thing and, and you know he laughed and he was nice about it um the other thing that stands out to me is I remember when I was working at MLB, I had to take one of our young staffers to the clubhouse for the first time. And, you know, in the subway up from Midtown, we were talking about how to do clubhouse interviews. And I was giving her a little bit of a sense of, you know, who is easy to deal with and who might be a little more challenging. And she needed Mariana for something. And I told her, you know, it's not the easiest, but I'm going to introduce you and hopefully it goes well, whatever. And after I introduce them and I walk away a little bit because I didn't want to hover and after like three minutes she walks over to me and I'm just like oh that was really quick she's like my recorder doesn't work oh, and I was like oh no I'm so sorry she's like so I give her mine and I just look over and he's just standing there so patiently starting over with her mm. um, oh, and yeah. you know, I, I'd given her warning that you know like look he's the best ever at what he does and <laughs> he, you're probably not going to get that much time and I just remember looking just watching as he was just like totally patient and like understanding that this was a girl you know or a woman having a complete panic attack um, <laughs> yeah. and he just could not have like made her more at ease when it happened I guarantee you she has retold that story I'm, yeah time. yeah I'm sure I'm sure <laughs> you know we talked a lot about too you know that his last season um, I'll never forget being in the press box and hearing enter Sandman and knowing it's probably the last time you'll ever hear it in this context at Yankee Stadium. And Joe Girardi did a really great thing by taking him out of the game with, you know, one out left and not doing it himself, but having Derek Jeter and Andy Pettit come out to the mound and, and get him. And those guys came up together. Like, those guys pitched together and played, you know, alongside each other when there was no guarantee they were going to make it past single A or double A. So to be... In that moment together, um, I know how emotional it was for Mariano. I think it was emotional for so many others in the in the ballpark mm -hmm. that night. It, it was my favorite moment, you know, uh, here at, at this ballpark, um, along with our our, our uh, the last out of the the 2009 World Series, and then the next year Derek Jeter going out. I was super emotional because I felt like it was a like a chapter in my childhood closing even though I was a, an adult yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it was like I had been watching Mariano since I was 16 17 yeah, years old too. and that long hug with Andy Pettit and him walking off that mound knowing you're Just never gonna see tears. him pitch again yeah. yeah oh god it was this is a big one I mean it's mm -hmm. you know closers don't go in every year um, so it's gonna mean a lot I think to other relievers and, and people who are you know, trying to follow in those footsteps. It's going to mean a, a lot, obviously, to Yankees fans who have watched every pitch of Mariano's career. It's going to mean a whole heck of a lot to the people of Panama mm -hmm. as he joins Rod Carew, only the second Panamanian going into the hall. So it's going to be a big turnout in Cooperstown this July, I think. You mentioned relievers don't go in that often. When relievers do go in, there's always some question about if they should go in. Not this time. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, and, and you know, not this time at all. And you know, we just talked about, you know, Mel Stottlemyre's impact on the, the dynasty, you know, the, the most recent Yankees dynasty. And, you know, not to, to repeat myself exactly, but, you know, Mariano was another piece to that puzzle that was, you know, very similar to Mel, an irreplaceable piece, a piece that, if they didn't have him, but they had a different closer, um, it's hard to imagine that they would have won as much as they did. And, 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 and I want to jump in here because it's not just 
you know, the numbers obviously for the postseason speak for themselves, and they are better than anyone else's, and they are better obviously than his regular season career. What's even more remarkable, though, is he was doing that while also pitching more outs than mm-hmm. he was during the regular season. So when oh, he was yeah. pitching more and working harder, he was against the best competition. Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many times you say, does this guy turn it up in the postseason, or is it lucky? Can you, is there a really clutch thing? And whatever, this isn't a matter of clutch or not clutch. This is literally saying against better competition, when working harder and working more, even then he was better than anyone else. I think it's going to be an interesting uh, thing to watch. It'll be interesting to see what the number is. Like uh, we've mentioned, I think we can maybe – you know, if it turns out that we're wrong about this, we apologize. But I think we feel pretty good about the fact that, you know, next week we'll be celebrating Mariano Rivera's election to the Hall of Fame. And then later this summer, celebrating his induction. We're going to have a lot of coverage of this over the course of the season. Make sure you're following Yankees.com slash magazine. Make sure you are picking up the magazine at, you know, retail stores and, at, of course, at Yankee Stadium and at GMS Field once spring training starts. Send us letters at letters at yankees.com. We're ramping up here. It's mid-January. We have a couple more of these only before pitchers and catchers report. And once we hit the new year, things got a little bit busier around here. And yeah, it's going to continue to get this year. 2019 season is underway here. Absolutely. Sure. But that's good news because we're going to have a lot of really interesting and fun stuff coming at you this year. Stick with us. Let us know what you want to hear. Follow us on Twitter at Yanks Magazine. And uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks so much.